Welcome to Career Tools. This week, Productivity in a Matrix, Chapter 1, Communication. Here we go. Okay, Wendy, so we've said before, I've said before, I've beat a dead horse about we don't like matrices, right? <laughs> Even though, in principle, on paper, they're an answer to an issue in terms of resources, limited resources being farmed out to a number of different places. Uh, human beings tend to behave like human beings and not like blocks, as <laughs> Stephen Vincent Benet would share with us. And as the Bible says, no man can have two masters. But the fact is, a lot of our listeners are dealing with matrices, or actually matrix organizations. So we've got to help them be more effective in a matrix. And this cast is the first cast in a series, chapter one on communication, but it's hugely important and most people never get past chapter one. Yeah. If you start here with communicating more, you'll find a lot of things get a lot easier. A lot easier. And you may, may never have to go to the other ones. It's like Greece, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Good. Yeah. Okay. So what are we going to talk about? So we're going to be sick of the word communicate by the end of this, but um, communicate even more, <laughs> communicate about tasks, yeah. communicate about plans, yeah. and communicate about communication. Which is going to kill people, right? <laughs> no, yeah. I have to talk about talking. Yes, yeah. you do. The first one, communicate even more. I like to think of it as over-communicate, mm-hmm. right? I really believe that there is no exact right amount. There may, there may be an exact right amount of communication, in any particular discussion, it's always different in different situations, but you're never going to hit it exactly right. So the, so the question becomes, if you're going to be wrong 99% of the time on communication, do you want to under-communicate or over-communicate? And I think that a lot of times people bring their personal life biases in, which over-communication, TMI, creates problems, you're sharing too much. But in a work environment, we've said many, many times before that Work isn't done unless the organization can leverage it in some way. If work is done and not reported on, it's as if it's not done because the rest of the organization can't add value to that piece of work, leverage it in some way, take the next step in the process, or obviously in a major organization, the project. So I think of, I know the title of this bullet is communicate even more, but I really see this as just, just saying over communicate. Yeah. Right? You're going to communicate with all of the people involved. You can't just tell either your career manager if you if you've got a project manager and a career manager or um the guy on the plant floor and the planner in the office you've got two different people you can't just communicate with one of them you have to tell both of them once what's going on and even if you don't feel like that's part of your job it's like you know oh well the guy should know or they should should know when you hear when you say the guy should know bad bad mojo bad juju right there exactly or it's their job to communicate with each other yeah. Uh, okay, maybe it is. Maybe but it is. But actually, your life will be easier if you take that from them or right. take responsibility for it. Yeah. So let's start from the top. When you have two bosses, okay, take us from there. I'm thinking about my two bosses. I've got a, a career manager boss and then the guy I'm assigned to, maybe two different guys, actually, that I'm assigned to on a project. But for now, we'll just think of my, my regular boss and my project boss. Okay, okay. So when you have two bosses, you are the com- communication conduit between them. You are the method by which communication, information gets between those two people. And people don't get that. 
right? No, they they just, think that the, each boss knows yeah. that bosses at their level do know that there's some sort of website they're checking or there's some sort of project status reporting or I reported to him and so therefore he should be letting him know they're in meetings together all the time. Yeah, or, yeah. or, or the, yeah, somehow they just know or sometimes <laughs> that they don't need to know. Right. You know, sometimes I think, oh, well, I'm talking about something with Mike and I don't need to tell you. And then that blows up in my face and Absolutely. I realize... I really should have been telling both people. Yeah, and Mike and I are really good at cross-communication. I rarely know what you've told him. Mm -hmm. There's an assumption on his part that you've told me. There's an assumption on your part that he's told me. And and then I'm wondering, why are you doing this other thing? Yeah. Yeah. So if you have two bosses, folks, you have responsibility for making sure that each one of them knows what the other one knows relative to your workload, your projects, your tasks, your responsibilities. Both. On both sides. If you're doing one something for A, B has to know. Yeah. That's the rule. And if you don't take advantage or if you don't meet that responsibility, you can't get upset that A doesn't know what B knows or vice versa. Exactly. Okay? And those relationships are sometimes formal and sometimes informal. What do you so mean? sometimes they're uh, hard lines on organizational sure. charts. Okay. Sometimes they're dotted lines. Sometimes there's a relationship where you're kind of informally assigned to a peer manager right. to do something or boss A is a customer and, and you have your boss within the company and you're working on a project site with a customer. So, so I think what the, the translation of that for a lot of our listeners then is when we say productivity in a matrix, you're really defining matrix in the loosest possible way. Absolutely. You're not saying in a technical organization that hasn't, that everybody says, yeah, we're a matrix organization and then everybody cries. What we're saying is any time there's some sort of assumption that you have additional responsibilities to somebody else who is supervising you on a project or you're on a team or something like that, then the guidance in this cast applies. Exactly. Good. Okay. Exactly. Good. Now, ideally, um, you would be having project O3s with a project manager and um, one-on-ones with your assigned manager right. or some kind of weekly meeting. But that's ideally. Yeah, yeah. and most people don't, don't get that. They don't, right. Yeah, some, they don't. some people only get to see their career managers once a year. Yeah. So and we get lots of questions about that from matrix manager on both sides. Well, I can't do anything because his boss said this and he's not telling me anything. I'm like, geez, okay. Okay. Go talk to people. Find out. Okay. Exactly. So, you know, embrace reality. Um, and, and often the person that you don't see very often does have responsibility for writing your review and your pay and your bonus and all of that stuff. So communicating with them know, is important. If you, if you haven't told them, you should assume they don't know. And if they don't know, don't expect to get rewarded for stuff they don't know about. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. there is nothing that says that you can't send them a status update once a week by email. Like, like nobody says, even if you meet your career manager once a year, nobody says you can't send them an email. And this is why reporting done poorly and people reporting the wrong things creates problems because then people begin to hate reporting and they fail to see that when you're working in an organization, again, work that's done but that no one knows is done is dead to the organization. Work is not done until it's reported. That's why we say always assign a task and the reporting of the status of that task included in the deliverable that they give back to you. And, and what ends up happening is, is that people don't know. And because the boss is supposed to be doing it, but he's not, the direct feels frustrated that he's not getting credit or, or what have you. And folks, let's be clear. It's your responsibility. Now, you can say that there's on, on a paper somewhere, somebody else is responsible, but take responsibility now. In fact, Wendy and I were talking before the start of this cast. We've decided this cast's nickname is 
who knows what by when. It's just like Horstman's Law of Project Management, who does what by when. There are deadlines and there are people responsible for tasks, and that person has to get it done by the deadline. By the same token, you ought to be asking myself, who needs to know what I know? Do they know it? And do they know it in a timely fashion? And you're the one responsible for ensuring that they know it. Allowing someone else to do it, and if that person doesn't do it, that negatively affects you, it's your fault because you had the opportunity to be proactive and to over-communicate. Exactly. So you can send status emails by email. Right. You can ask for a meeting when there's something going on with your career manager. You can say to your manager, I want, I need to talk to this guy for an hour. I need to talk to somebody so that communication is happening. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with saying, I know that this guy really, my boss is close to him, but you go to your boss and say, I need an hour with that guy. I need you, you know, I want you to know I'm trying to get an hour with that guy. And if you don't tell your boss, it's not that you're asking your boss for help, your project boss for help. You're saying, hey, by the way, I'm trying to arrange a meeting with this guy. And then the boss goes, well, you should have just called me. I'll just ping him right now. I'll ping him. And the guy picks up the phone. Hey, can you spend an hour with one of my guys? Sure, I can. And, and that's a classic case where somebody doesn't want to be perceived as needy. Mm-hmm. I'm self-driven. I can do my own stuff. But it's the, the unwillingness to communicate that causes us to put a lot of uh, trouble. And then when you finally go to your boss three weeks later and say, this guy won't do it. Well, why didn't you come to yeah, me? Exactly. Yeah. And it's not that you have to ask, it's that you have to inform and let other people help you if in fact that that could be good. Okay. 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 So uh, what kind of things do you want to communicate about? So the first one is communicate about tasks. So right. you need to know, you need to let both of your bosses know what you are working on. Right. Bosses tend to have a plan in their head of what they think you're working on. And and even when they say they don't know even when they don't have, they say, yeah, I really don't keep track of it. In their head, they create a plan. Yeah. It's, it may be way wrong, but every boss has one for all their directs unless they have 50 directs. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They, they have an idea of when your project ends. So they, you know, when the, you're going to be free, even if that's the minimum kind of piece of information they have in their head, they have it in their head. Right. So um, you need to be proactively communicating with them so that they're, imaginary plan is actually based somewhere on fact. Right. When you suddenly say, I have to go to work on this training manual for, manual for three hours because my project boss told me to do it, right? Your actual boss feels like, oh, my plan just went up in smoke yeah. because she actually had a plan for you for those three hours or for the afternoon. She was going to ask you to do something. She just hadn't gotten the thoughts together. And suddenly, without telling her, now she's in a pinch because you've messed up her plan. You didn't know what her plan was. You could say, well, how am I held responsible for that? Guess what? You are. You are. Yeah. And often people who are earlier in their careers feel like, well, they've both got power and I just have to do what they tell me. Well, yeah, Yeah. you do. But if you communicate, you'll feel less like a victim and more like things are working out. Yeah. It's been my experience. Let's do this from a risk analysis perspective, guys. As I said earlier, there's over-communicating and under-communicating. The vast majority of people grossly under-communicate, okay? You don't even actually have to over-communicate. You just need to under-communicate less than most people do. And the pain you're going to get in for communicating more is a little bit of derision, a little bit of teasing. Oh, you're always telling everybody what you're doing. It's like you're, it's like you're kissing up. I'm busy and all these different things. Nope, not that at all. I'm just keeping people informed on what I'm doing. I want everybody to know what I'm doing so we don't have any conflicts. I find that knowing more about what other people are doing is helpful to me. And so I tend to over communicate about the stuff I'm working on. Don't think it's terribly important. 
the teasing and derision you'll get from that are probably light, light enough that they're not negative. They're just teasing. On the other hand, under-communicating and then pissing your boss off three, four, five times or a couple of times every week because you're not keeping both of them informed, that's a different form of pain. It's a professional pain, and it's one of those slow, achy things that bosses remember at the end of the year and say, I never know what this guy's doing. Yeah. And they don't know how to put it on your review, but it's going to be there in some fashion, oh, yeah. in some ding, somewhere on your review. Lack of professionalism, lack of planning skills, lack of communication skills even. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. So sometimes boss A says about when you tell him what boss Beta says that you should be doing, they, I can't believe you do, he's making you do that. And right. I'm going to go down there and speak to it. I just did that to you about <laughs> Mike, right? Exactly. Yeah. And one, one of my friends calls this, my dad's a fighting. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Good. Um, you know, if you feel stuck in the middle of it, it can be upsetting if you're the type of person who gets upset about that. Yeah, then you're, you're, but you but, can... You can be stuck in the middle and it can still be okay. You're, yeah. not re- you're responsible for the communication, not their relationship. Yeah, it's the neuroses that you're neurotic if you say, I'm stuck in the middle. You're not helpless. You can do something about it. It's much better to be psychotic than neurotic when it comes to organizations because always stuff's going to go wrong and you're going to be responsible for some of it. You might as well proactively communicate with both of your bosses. And they may not hash it out, but at least they'll know and they won't ding you for not knowing, which... It gets everybody in trouble over and over and over again. Okay. Yeah. So tasks tend to be short-term. They tend to be this week. But we also want you to communicate about plans. So communicate with both bosses about the longer-term plans that the other boss has for you. So if your career manager says, I think you should move on to a project where you're more client-facing, for example... Your project manager of the project that you're currently working on should know that because perhaps in phase two, perhaps he really wants to keep you. And in phase two, there's a role that's more client facing that you could do and you could stay with that project manager. But unless he knows that that's the other guy's intention, you could be moved on to a completely different project. He's going to be annoyed because he wanted to keep you. You may not enjoy that project as much. Here's a perfect example I've experienced over and over again in matrix organizations and project Organizations that have a lot of projects and have project teams, somebody doesn't communicate to their two bosses, to their two dads or their two moms, right? What happens is, let's say I work for both you and Mike. You're going to stress me next week. We've got a big deadline coming up Thursday afternoon or Friday morning. No problem. That happens. Okay. The assumption of too many young professionals is that you're going to stress me and that's going to come out of Mike's hide. In other words, Mm -hmm. I'm going to spend 30 hours next week. Let's assume that I magically would work 20 hours for you and 20 hours for him. It's never that easy, but let's assume for a moment that's the case. When you tell me next week's busy, I'm going to need a lot of your time. I think, okay. And 90% of the people I know think of, it's a zero sum game. I'm going to work 40 hours next week. I know you guys work more than that. Just bear with me. I'm making the math easy. And I say, okay, I used to work 20. I'm going to have to add 50% more to step up to the deadline you're going to give me. And now what I do is I'm going to work 30 hours a week. And I don't tell Mike that because of my zero-sum mentality, I'm only going to give him 10. What happens then is because I don't talk to Mike about the plans for next week, I don't learn from Mike because he's a day behind giving me a big deliverable you've already given to me. I don't realize that next week he's thinking 30 hours of my time as well. And, and look, 
The problem comes in is that I think I can give him 10. And then on Monday, he says, you know, we're going to be swamped this week. I can't, where were you all day? Well, I was working on this thing for Wendy. And the reason I'm working for you and I'm not doing it is because in my head, I've got 40 hours a week. Again, guys, I know you work 50 and 60 hours a week. My point is you probably see your time is limited. And if somebody asks for more, you assume that by definition in a zero sum game, somebody else is going to get less. There's not more pie to go around. But if you communicate with Mike, if I communicate with Mike and say, hey, look, next week is a big week with Wendy, one of two things happens. Well, the first thing that happens is I get credit for communicating to help him think about my week. Now, whether he likes me or not, or we have a good relationship or not, in fact, does come into play. But if he doesn't need me, he could say, no worries, right? I understand. And he's like, well, I, you know, there's stuff he has to get done, but I respect that there are going to be times where I'm going to be taking a bite out of Mark, Mark, right? If I don't tell him and he doesn't know, and then he needs 30 hours of my week, and now I'm ticked at both of you. And the problem was caused in part because I didn't communicate with him and say, look, I want to let you know what's going on. And then if he'd come right back and go, by the way, next week is a big week. The first thing I would do is call my spouse. And I would mm-hmm. say, look, next week is a bad week. I've got, I've got one of those things. What do you call the two, when two waves come together, you get that special high peak, right? It's just a, it, the wave equation, there's a special high peak there. And I'm going to work 60 hours next week compared to my normal 40. And people say, well, I don't want to tell Mike because I don't want to know if, in fact, Mike is going to stress <laughs> me out. But every executive worth his or her salt is going to say, the sooner you know about deliverables, the sooner you know about responsibilities, the better. And the best way to do that is to communicate about, in, in my opinion, the biggest time frame is next week. I mean, saying, here's what my quarter looks like. If you're constantly communicating about your quarter, people are going to tune that out really quickly, even your month. Uh, there are exceptions to that. For most people, we tend to live, to li- live our lives in three to five day windows. If you're working for two different bosses by Friday at 10 or 11 in the morning, you should have a sense of what your next week is like. And we recommend you communicate that to both of your bosses. Now, that may affect how much work they give you. It may be good. It may be bad. But it's way better for you to have information before you get hit with it. And then when Mike comes to me Monday afternoon and goes, where the heck are you? I needed you all day today and you didn't answer any of my pages. Oh, I thought you knew. I was real busy on this big thing with Wendy. Everybody knows we've got this big presentation of the board on Thursday afternoon. Yeah, everybody knows, right? And in fact, Mike intellectually knows it. Yeah. But he hasn't, he hasn't factored that into, he knows I work for him as well. And he's going to get the time he wants from me when he wants it because he knows I work for him and he outranks me. Yeah. So communicating about plans, I have found over and over again, think about your week, assertively communicate, proactively communicate in advance. Here's what my week looks like, and here are my deliverables. Yeah. yeah, good. And not just and not just plans that the organization has for you, but the plans that you have for yourself. So if you yeah. if you think, oh, in the next six months I want to move, I want a different project, I'm thinking about applying for a different role in the organization, all of right. those things. We, we don't tend to tell customers that, but definitely all of the managers involved need to know. And how many individual contributors do we know complain about getting stuff at the last minute? They do it all the time. Just give me some advance notice. We have a cast coming out at some point in the future about warning orders. The military has something called a warning order. Even if I don't have all the information, I'm going to let you know proactively something's coming and it's going to really hit us hard week two, week three, Q1, Q2, whatever else. Everybody wants that. And yet the direct doesn't return the favor to the manager at all. Hey, look, in two weeks, I'm picking Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I know you haven't probably thought about that. I asked for it six weeks ago, but that may pinch us. You need to know that. And I can't change it. 
Yeah. Right? And it's way better to have the manager grumble, you reminding him about it, rather than avoiding, to, to your point about pinch and crunch, right? It's way better to pinch now than to have a crunch at the last minute. And have your boss look at you and go, I don't know that you taking these three days off is such a good idea. And what you know he's doing is seeing whether or not you'll cave. Yeah. And you don't want to cave because you have a spouse to go home to. And so you feel like you end up getting crunched because you say, no, I really have to go. And your boss shakes his head and walks away. And that could have been averted. It would have been a pinch three weeks earlier. I'm not saying it's magic that the crunch goes away completely, but you can deal with a lot more pinches than you can deal with crunches. Absolutely. Okay. We had an email this week of somebody asking about what does working your network look like on a daily basis? And this is one of the things that working your network looks like on a daily basis. It It means communicating with the people around you about what's going on. Right. Things they need to know. Right. Um, and, and again, if you're wondering what to talk to them about, it's what you're working on. It's who does what by when. And then you ask yourself who needs to know what by when. Yeah. And you make sure everybody knows. And yeah, some people will tune out your communications. That email you send out every Thursday about your week next week or what your deliverables are or where you're behind on. Believe me, there'll be a couple people who, like, who will say, Jesus, we don't do it that way. Trust me, there'll also be people who will use it, who will take advantage of it. The best people will take advantage of it and the worst people will whine. And that's generally how the world is in an organization anyway. Okay. You want the worst people whining. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. What about communicating about communication? That's the ultimate over communication. So, so this is kind of, we've, we've talked about this. This is about talking about the conversations that you've had with other people right. to the people that need to know that. So um, you might have a conversation with a customer that your boss needs to know about because the customer sounded a bit grouchy this week and you think, hmm, maybe there's something going right. on there. Or you have one boss who says, like you said, I'm going to need you next week. And, and you go to your other boss and say, by the way, Bob says he's going to need all of my hours next week. It's the communication of the, about the conversations that you've had right. with other people. I'll give you a perfect example of this in the negative. The number of people who are in meetings carry on, carrying on IM conversations with people or working at their desk and they're IMing people. And they literally act as if the IM is in a completely different parallel plane. And it's a conversation that's going on. And there's stuff being talked about. And, and, and the information in one conversation never populates the other conversation. If I'm working on a project on my laptop or on my desktop computer, and I'm having an IM conversation on that laptop, on that desktop, that somehow, to so many people I talk to, is a separate side stream conversation. And they don't necessarily interact until afterwards like, oh, I just realized that what he was saying to me might have value in this work I was doing. And the reason why is it's so darn hard to multitask, you can't constantly be asking, what's the impact of X on Y? But if you want to be a great manager and executive, folks, if you want a shot at that kind of growth, it's not the only growth in organizations, if you want a shot at that kind of growth, you've got to learn to synthesize. And you've got to learn to ask yourself, when you learn new information, not what does that mean for me, but in a matrix organization, it means who needs to know this, yeah. right? Who, what does that mean for other people? Because I'm connected by a web of, of uh, you know, if you pluck one strand on the web of a spider web, the rest of them vibrate. And you have to ask yourself, is there anyone else who would benefit from this information? And if you don't have a highly keen, a highly honed sense of who really should know that, and should is too strong a word, of course, but who might benefit from you telling them that, then the answer is to over-communicate it. 
and let some people tune it out. And yes, everybody gets too many emails. We absolutely agree with that. And there's also, interestingly enough, this is one of the reasons why I hate email, there's far too little communication while everybody has too much email. If you start sending out emails about work tasks and about deadlines and about who needs to know stuff, communicating, not I'm not talking broadcast emails, but certain emails to certain people. Hey, I want you to know this came up in the conversation and so on. Your emails will get read. Yeah. It won't just be a broadcast that everybody goes, oh, more spam from that guy who's always over-communicating. Yeah. Yeah. No, nobody has ever com- complained about over-communication. Yeah, they, com- they complain about too many emails. Yeah, and they, commun- and they complain about not knowing what's going on. Right. But nobody ever complained about no- yeah. too little communication. And the, th- and the side benefit of this, of course, is that the trust gets built up between you and the people you're communicating with. If they always feel like they know what's going on and you tell them what's important, they will begin to trust you. Yeah. And that's important. Yep. And... We said in the classes, there's a pretty clear line between what's petty and what needs reporting, right. but it's actually probably lower than you think it is. Absolutely lower. Like most people think what they need to tell their boss is kind of... Important str- stuff. Yeah, but actually the, the, what you class as medium important, probably you would benefit from telling your boss about it. Yeah. Let, let's say I'm meeting with my boss and a peer of his who uses some of my work. Mm-hmm. So they're like a like a standard boss and a matrix boss to a degree. If we use the loose ter- loose definition of matrix, okay. So give me an example using me as the as the junior party of the three person situation we've got. Okay, so so you and your your boss and and his peer meet together. Your boss isn't there. Your peer and and his peer and you meet together, and you're talking about the implementation of a product that you're working on as the product right. guy. Okay. And he's the technical peer. Okay. Um, and he's planning on a phased implementation, starting with Group A, going through BCDE. Right. And he's going to start with Group A on October 1st. And right. each phase is going to take a month. Then that, that sounds like the technical guy is making a technical plan, which is his job, and he's asking for your implement your input as the product guy, and you're thinking, well, that sounds like the technical guy's got a good plan. Right. But then when you go tell your boss, he has a plan that he thinks everyone should do it all at once. Yeah. And now you've told him, he can go talk to his peer and go, dude, I don't think this phased implementation thing. Right. Is, I know it's a technical thing, but is there a way around it? Or he could decide he's absolutely fine with it. Right. And at least he knows what the plan is. Yeah, I think, I think what's interesting about that, I think there's some people who would listen to that and go, oh, yeah, I could see the technical guy coming to me and say, why'd you tell your boss? Like, you said it was okay. Right. Well, look, when you tell me, you should assume you're telling people around me. If we're talking about work that's public work, we're not talking about private discussions about you looking for a job somewhere else. If you share something with me, I'm going to share it with the people around me because those people are affected by your work. Don't ask me to choose not to communicate. That's the last thing. If you're talking about work and I believe somebody else will benefit, even tangentially, I'm not going to be afraid to over-communicate it. And yes, there are people who will say, well, I'm not going to communicate as openly with him because he tends to be an open communicator. Okay, that's fine. I respect that. That's a legitimate outcome. It's petty. It's political. It's small. And it's real. That, that does mm-hmm. happen. And the question becomes, do you want to be the under-communicator or do you want that other person to be an under-communicator? Yeah. Way better for them to choose to be an under-communicator. Yeah. And, and if you have a good relationship, you can still ask enough questions to find out what you need to know. Yeah, 90% of the time we're all talking about work and tasks and 
there's nothing bad about communicating that. Nobody's, you know. Yeah. Well, in in some people's political minds, there is. But we cannot choose everything based purely on political things. Otherwise, we wouldn't get any work done. Yeah. And that's it, really. This cast is really about who knows what by when. And it means saying, I'm going to over-communicate to the people around me about tasks, about plans, and actually about the communication. So you keep people abreast of the changes things are happening. Now, are we asking you to increase the amount of communication you do? Yes, because Horstman's first law is it's all about people, and Horstman's second law is more communication is better. We don't think more email is better. We think more communication is better, and email happens to be a, a, a pretty standard way of doing it, although certainly that you could do it face-to-face as well. And there are times when IM would work as well. However, the question is not how much email you're sending. The question is the value of the information in that email. And people under-communicate about tasks, about plans, about deadlines, and about who knows what and who's making decisions. Absolutely. Well done. Well done. We have Horstman's Law of Project Management, which is who knows what by who does what by when. And now we have Horstman's Law of Project Communication, which is who knows what by when. Awesome. All right. I like more laws. Another milestone. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, Wendy. Bye. Thanks, everybody. That's it. Uh, Hope you enjoyed the show this week. Join us again next week when Wendy and I will continue to expound on how to have an effective career. As our motto says, every professional productive.